welcome to the New Rich Podcast. We are back. I'm super excited. I feel I feel amazing. I was driving around today and just the thought of being back on the microphone felt great. I got my main man, Rhett Barber. Am I saying it right? Is it Barber? Barber, man. You got Barber, it. Barber, I got it right. I always mess up with names, man. <laughs> I don't know why. But Rhett Barber um, here today. And I didn't get, we, we kind of not rushed into it, but we kind of just got into it today. So I didn't get to sell you, man. Thank you. And you're probably like, why are you saying thank you, Ryan? It's because you hit me. I, I've been thinking about the podcast, right? And sometimes you just think about it and, all right, I got to start making another episode. I got to get back to it. People are asking me, shout out to my my man, Brandon Gallagher. He was reaching out to me like, yo, when are you going to bring the podcast back? But you reached out to me. You said, hey, are you still doing a podcast? I want to get on the podcast. And I was like, you know what? You hit reaching out to me, jump started me like getting back to it, bro. So um, thank you for that, bro. You probably didn't know that, so thank you for that. Awesome, man. So sometimes we just need that external push just to get shit done. Yeah, yeah. you don't even know you. You didn't even know you did it. <laughs> so thank you. But while we have you here, man, go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell them who you are. Just say your name, a little bit about yourself, and we'll take it from there. Yeah. So I'm uh, Rhett Barber. I grew up in Orlando, Florida. Originally from upstate New York. Um, Cooperstown, which is in the middle of nowhere, but it's a baseball hall of fame. So it's kind of a famous spot to okay. be from. Um, grew up on a farm here in Orlando. Uh, actually grew up raising wolves. So I actually grew up with wolves, which is a badass, you know, a little trait. Uh, so we bred the wolves, you know, you know, gave them out and stuff like that. Raised them up. Um, got into fitness, very young age, fell in love with it. And uh, here I am today, man. I love it. I love it. And I met you through fitness. Shout out to... Um Teresa and Robert Lee. It's actually Teresa's birthday today. Um, they took me to your CrossFit gym. We'll get into that in a little bit. Your CrossFit gym owner. And man, I've had some fun stories there. Every time I push a sled, bro, <laughs> I think of Lion's Den. One time I forgot what it was, but we were all there and we had to push the sled down the damn thing and back it was like a 200 meter sled push yeah man you find those dark spaces to go to man and not push oh man i got back bro i could barely make it into the car it was <laughs> it was it was a wild thing but i just learned something new about you and i kind of want to touch on it before we proceed i didn't know that you raised wolves yeah yeah right so you hear these stories about wolves like the leader in the pack and all it is like tell me something that you learned in that process of raising wolves? So it started off, man. I, I started playing football. My my first time ever playing football was when I was in fifth grade. And uh, it was tackle football. And I went out there, you know, didn't know any better. Seen it on TV and stuff like that. First day of hitting practice, got laid out. <laughs> and I was like, told my parents, I'm never fucking going back. You know, I'm not doing this shit no more. My dad's like, hey, you started something, you don't quit. And I was like, I was like, oh, I'm not going back. So me and dad got in a huge fight. And this is my first time my dad taught me about not quitting. You know, if you start mm. something, you better finish it. You got to see it through to the end. He's like, I tell you what, you don't miss now one practice this season. Cause I was obsessed with wolves as a little kid. I was always reading book on wolves and stuff. He's like, I'll buy you a wolf. I'm like, Oh shit. All right. Yeah. So I'll end up like sticking out the rest of the season became, you know, the most improved player of the year. Fucking fell in love with football. What after position? That. What position? Uh, defensive tackle. Okay, okay. Um, loved it. And then, uh, you know, he got me to wolf. And her name was Wolfie. Well, her real name was Legend. We ended up calling her Wolfie. You know, it is a nickname that ended up sticking. Um, but we ended up breeding her with a German Shepherd. And one of the lessons I learned from her, she was alpha. I mean, like no other dog. I mean, wolves are wolves, right? But she was 80% wolf and 20% Akita. And we grew up on a three-acre farm. And our backyard, like around the pool and her stuff, is fenced in. And that's where she stayed at. She had her, 
and Toby, which was her German Shepherd mate, and then the puppies they would have together. And that was her pack, man. I mean, any other animal that came in that fence was was dead right away. And she was she was total alpha. And uh, one of the lessons I learned from her was just like dominance, right? I mean, you you gotta be stern. She was very uh, I want to say uh, not conniving, but she was. You can tell like the wheels were always turning in her head. She was always thinking before she made a move. Where if something came in the yard or someone came up the the path. The, the dogs would start barking right away. She would kind of like lurk around the corner and watch. Mm. And you could see the wheels turning in her eyes. And That's then good. she would act on something, man. So just, you know, watching that, just knowing to be like patient and watch things and then make your choices from there. And also just the value of a pack, a family, mm, right? Having that, that support group around you. That's what she wanted. So like when we bred her the first time, she actually took this one puppy from her litter and she would pick him up and drop him into the food dish. We're like, why does she keep picking this puppy up and put him in the food dish? And so we end up keeping that puppy. We named him Conan. That puppy ended up being 144 pounds. I think she knew that he was like the bigger and the stronger of the, of the eight puppies. So she would baby him more. She would take him up and drop him in the food dish first. So he would wow. eat. He would have the first pick. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. That's interesting. That's cool, man. That's that's some dope um, stories about wolves. Because you know, you 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 think of us as human beings as animal animals, right? Mm-hmm. And and in our uniqueness, but then how similar we are to these these animals, and what can we learn from these animals? I think that's that's always cool. So you ended up? Did you end up sticking with football? Because I from, from I played football all the way up until I got in high school, and then uh, I got in a little bit of trouble in high school, and I wasn't allowed to play high school sports. Okay. They, yeah. They, so I wasn't. Yeah. So I wasn't able to play at all through high school. Would you say that that you know I, we talked off air, but adversity is something that I love to talk about because I think that's adversity is what builds character and mm. builds it builds who you are, builds your story. Do you, was that one of your first moments of adversity? Ooh. Um. I wouldn't say it's my first. Well, actually, it became it became my first because uh, it was a schoolyard fight. You know, I got, I got jumped in the schoolyard and when I came back to school, they kicked me out for chasing the kids down or whatever. And when I came back to school, I seen one of the kids that jumped me and then uh, I just went to town on them. So they kicked me out of school for 62 days. And, uh, that kid was in a gang. So the gang came after me. So one of the craziest stories was I was probably about 14 years old and, uh, I slept with a 357 underneath my pillow. On the on the front step of my 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 oh, front door on how, the floor how old of the house, you? probably fourteen, fifteen. Okay, no, high ninth grader. Wow. Um, because they went to the they went to my bus stop with guns and stuff, pointing at kids and stuff like that. Want to know where I lived, and we we're sure they told them, man. And 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 crazy crazy stories, man. Like my best friends. One one incident that happened was my best friends were at my house on Easter, and we're sitting there having dinner. You know, my my dad's out back, my mom's in the kitchen, <clears throat> and my buddy calls me. He's like, hey, Rhett, you know, uh, these so-and-sos at my house, there's like six of them with guns at the house. They're asking where you're at. He goes, he goes, I don't know what to do, blah, blah, blah. So I hang up the phone with him. I call my dad. My dad's out back. So my dad comes running up. <laughs> this is a crazy story, man. <laughs> comes up. He grabs a shotgun, puts in this old blue truck we had. My mom gets in the car with him. It's me, my two but my three buddies, and my brother and sister at the house, right? And, uh... My mom and dad get in the truck and they're going to drive to my buddy's house where these people are at. And on the way there, my dad gets about halfway there, pulls over on the side of the road and says, hey, check the back tire. I think I got a flat. 
So my mom jumps out of the truck. When she jumps out of the truck, he hauls ass down the road and leaves her on the side of the road because he doesn't want her going to where these people are at, my friend's house. Oh so my, my dad gosh. drives down there. My mom runs sprinting back. Me and my friends are in the house. We get the door unlocked. My buddy flips the couch upside down. He's hiding behind a couch. He has a shotgun. I got a shotgun behind a refrigerator. My other friend, we're out of guns now, so he's got my samurai sword that I took off my wall. <laughs> he's in the hallway. My brother and sister and my other friend are in my parents' bathroom hiding behind a toilet with, with steak knives. Oh, my goodness. Bro, it was the craziest, like, for a 15-year-old to go through, man. And what the perspective that I got or the lesson I got. So my dad, in time, time my dad got to the, my friend's house, they're gone. They were scattered, right? And that was probably the scariest incident we had with this, with this, you know, this gang or whatever. Um, after that, we didn't hear any more about them. They end up going. We end up finding out like a year later that they end up shooting some people behind a target or something like that. And they're in jail or dead or whatever, you know. But the biggest lesson I learned from that was, you know, what are my actions going to cause a timeline of? Like, because I wanted revenge, mm, you know, because my pride got taken from me getting jumped. I wanted revenge. And my brother and sister had to sleep at someone else's house for like two weeks. I didn't see my brother and sister. That Easter night, they went and stepped somewhere else. We didn't know if these people were going to come by shooting through the windows and stuff like that. Because we didn't, you know, it's, it's a scary situation. So I had to think there on out, like, what I do has consequences. It's going to happen. Something else. So if I do something to get revenge or if I do something that's out of line, it's going to come back to me. And how do I want that to come back? Is it not? It's not just going to affect me. But it's going to affect my loved ones and the ones around me, right? Okay. So it made me think, like my wolf, think before mm. you start acting on shit. Like you're not a dog. Don't go start barking because someone's going to kick you, right? Mm. Be a wolf and think about other ways you can go around this 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 problem or this this endeavor or this circumstance and how can you approach it from there. That's good. That's yeah. good. That's good. That boy Rhett was preaching right now. If you're in the car when you're listening to this, you better be fired up beeping the people to get out the way. Not like that. You know, it makes me think of 50 Cent, right? I always joke. And when I teach these class, I, I, I ask somebody, I ask you this question. Um, if you had the opportunity to do business with or hang out with anybody in the world, who would it be? Greg Plitt. Who's that? Oh, man, you know Greg Plitt? Uh-uh. Dude, he's going to fucking change your life, man. He's, uh, sadly, he's, he, he's dead now. Um, he was shooting like a video for fitness and, and he, uh, he got hit by a train. I never went back and, and read about it. I didn't want to read about it, man. It, that hurt a lot. Um, he was one of those people when I, when I first started opening my gym, like I didn't have anything. I was just living in the gym all by myself, I had zero clients. So I was just scripting through YouTube, going through YouTube and he kept popping up with all these workouts and motivational speeches and stuff like that. And man, I just fell in love with his message, man, about life and stuff like that. And it inspired me and my little brother like to the max. So if, if I had to meet one person, it would it would definitely be him, man. Because he was he was all about living life to the fullest. You know, you hear me speak about about that in a little bit through fitness, like what fitness can do for you, and just being like having integrity through life. Um, and he, he was also like he was the first guy to ever go online. This is back in like two thousand like thirteen, two thousand twelve. First guy to go online and start making money off of fitness mm. online. Mm. That was unheard of back then. Mm. And he was one of the first, you know, to set that 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 milestone down for everybody to start doing that. It's good. I like that. And then I pose in my class if what's his name? Greg Plitt. Greg Plitt. If he was able, if he was to watch you for 24 hours without you seeing, 
and he was looking at your work ethic and the things that you did on a daily basis, would he want to hang out or meet you? Man, that's a good question, man. Because anyone can say like, oh yeah, you know, they, they would love it. But you never know, like everyone has a downside. Everyone has, you know, right now we're up. We want to do stuff, but sometimes we're down. But mm-hmm. I think he, you know, you know, God bless us all. Mm-hmm. I think he's in heaven right now looking down on all of us. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think he's pretty pleased with what his message has spoke to all of us. And what I have done with his message so far, mm. as far as like, you know, inspiring other people to do better for themselves, like he would for us. Yeah, so that's, that's what I've taken from him. And I, and I try to keep his legacy going by inspiring other people through fitness to live life to the fullest. I love that. I love that. If you were to ask me that question, I would say it was 50 cent. And why is going back to what you said, like if you ever watch, so because I do podcasts and this is something I enjoy I've always been a person that liked interviews, right? Mm-hmm. And then, like, I've always been a music guy, so I always watch, like, music interviews and just love to watch them. So any in, in interviews in general, so any 50 Cent um, interview, I've probably watched it, right? Mm-hmm. And if you ever watch some of his stuff, you would ask him a question, and when he would answer that question, he would, he pauses for, you know, like a millisecond, and then, he answers the question. And I always love that because he doesn't just shoot. It's like, no, let me, let me analyze it. Even if it's for a little bit, let me analyze this. And then I'm going to say that question. So, and then of course, man, he's done like, you know, sold vitamin water for a hundred million, done video games, made 80 million off of um, Reebok for sneakers, like has some of the best shows out on TV. So I love that, man. Like you said, like he, when someone asks him a question, he pauses for a second and answers. Yeah. The difference between the wolf and the dog. Yes. Yes. And that's why the dog's quick to bark, man. But that wolf is the wheels are turning and they have the right approach. I like that. I like that. I like it. I like how you made that analogy. All right. So let's jump into fitness, man. It's, it's how I met you. I met you at the CrossFit gym. I joked about the sled, man. I remember. Oh, my goodness. We, we It's funny because we just started to do those again this week. Um, I'm part of the Lake Nona Performance Center. We've been doing those. Shout out to Z Bloods. But, you know, fitness is a major part of who you are, right? And you're always innovating yourself and in, in based around fitness. What was What does fitness mean to you, man? And, and how did you get into it? So I got in fitness, man. I remember being... Uh eight years old, watching my grandfather go up and down, like go visit my grandfather, my grandparents in Pennsylvania, and my grandfather going up and down the stairs, just running up and down the stairs. And I didn't know why. And then he always had, you know, nice biceps. He was, he was a strong Italian man. He was a, a World War II vet, you know, very strong mentality. And he was my inspiration when I was a kid. I was like, I want to be just like Poppy, right? And uh, that was my, I wanted to be like him. So I remember being in fifth grade, no, sixth grade. Sixth grade. They had the, uh, what do you call it? The, the P test. Mm-hmm. You had to do, uh, what, what do they call that? Uh, oh, not a principal test. But anyways, it's a physical test you have to do every quarter or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I was obsessed with the push-up part. And I wanted to impress my grandfather. So I would practice push-ups. I was like, how old are you on sixth grade? Like nine years old? Ten years old? Possibly, yeah. Like 11. And I was in my bedroom every night practicing push-ups. Mm. At the age of, say, it was 11, I was up to 118 push-ups without stopping. Wow. And I wanted to blow through this PE test. And so I can tell my grandfather I broke the record. The record was like like 52 or something like that. And I went in there, and they had a pacer on the push-up test, which you know I didn't think about. It has a, a, a radio on. It goes down, up, 
down. And when I was practicing my room, I was just banging them out, right? So when I got there, I showed up, did the push-up, to, you know, in the positions of down, and you have to hold it. And it would say up. And I got to like 68. I broke the record. But I went behind the bleachers and I cried. I was so upset with myself that I didn't hit 100. Wow. I wanted to tell my grandfather I hit 100. I'm telling him on the phone. I'm hitting 100. You know, I'll tell him about this goal. First time I ever had a goal. I'm like in fifth or sixth grade. Mm. And I remember going behind the bleachers and crying. My and after that, man, I was obsessed, dude. I'm like, I can, I can, I can fucking do this, man, if I just put my head to it. And ever since then, man, I was doing sit-ups and jumping jacks. And then, uh, then I found Dragon Ball Z. Okay, okay. <laughs> you know, big well, one of the first things I seen Dragon Ball Z, I think it was uh, Goku. He was doing handstand push-ups. Um, in the yard, oh, and then shit. he would jump in a bo- uh, pot of boiling water. I'm like, "What's the boiling water for?" And I, re- you know, found out it was about recovery. He was always eating a lot. You know, if you ever watch Dragon Ball Z, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So that was another inspiration for me to get wow, into fitness that's cool. and stuff that's like cool. that. That's man. cool. I never, I never, they like, heard it broke down like that. Yeah, man. Yeah. I never got into it, but all my homeboys growing up, man, um, watched it, man. Jordan Batch, Jeremiah, some of my good friends. I always remember them watching it. Bro, so you touched on something there I want to tap into. You know, the first thing is I love the story about like going behind the bleachers and crying. Like you just won. You just broke the record. But yet you still felt defeated, right? Mm-hmm. And then and then you you talked about just oh now doing getting obsessed with it, right? I like like to me, mindset is everything. Mm-hmm. You know, when I got around when I got obsessed with success and got around successful individuals, I quickly learned it was just a mindset. Like, bro, they're not much different than me. They're not like, bro, I, I, I have a certain energy that people like and they're not much different. Like, it's just my mindset. If I could change my mindset to be conditioned to, to position myself, I could make it happen too. So what is the mindset that, you know, and especially I think of CrossFit and I think of pushing yourself to the next limit. Like when you want to quit and give up and what is that mindset that you tap into to prevail through that? Man, so it's really just like having a a pride, you know, of who you are that, that you know, like you said, it's the people who you hang out with and associate with too. That makes a big difference. Like if you constantly have negative people around you, man. Yo, I think Les Brown says it best, like birds of a feather flock, flock together, together, man. And and if you're hanging out with a bunch of losers, you're going to end up a loser. Mm-hmm. So I had a group of friends, man, growing up. We were super tight. Um, we were always like, always together. It was like, there was like four or five of us and we we're always together. No matter what, if I got in trouble, they were in trouble, you know? And then I like that. That was another issue we had too. Like we, we, we could have gone down the wrong mm-hmm. road. We definitely could have gone down the road. And some of my friends did go down the wrong road. They didn't yeah. end up hanging out with us to the very end and, you know, most of my buddies now are, you know, SWAT team, state troopers, sheriff department. They're all end up being cops, which if you would have known us as kids, I remember mm-hmm. one of my, 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 one of my friends growing up, his mom would call me and our other friend, the roosters. <laughs> and we're like, why would you call us a rooster? And she was uh, Guatemalan. So she had like an accent. What are you calling me a rooster for? Cause you guys always fight. You guys fight everyone around. That's, mm-hmm. that's what we were in, in high school, man. We were just like, we didn't go to a, a really good school. Like we were constant. We weren't bad kids. We never did drugs. We never drank. But we had this, this competition inside of us, right? And we didn't play high school sports. So how did we get this competitiveness out was fighting on the weekends, man. And that's we could have went down a, a wrong road. Yeah, but thank yeah. God we found fitness. You know, we, we started lifting weights. Uh, one of my friends ended up becoming a pro MMA fighter. Like we just went down different avenues instead of where, being where, on the streets. Where do you think that shift was where you said, 
all right, let's tap into this fitness thing and, and, and use our energy this Well, way. I think that's what kept us out of drugs and drinking and partying. Like in high school, like I never went to high school parties. I was a totally different person in high school. If I was in your class, man, I was in the back sleeping, dude. Like mm. I would not, I did not participate in class. Like I said, after my ninth grade year, when they told me um, I couldn't play, well, I got kicked out of school in ninth grade year for the incident we just talked about. When I got back to school my 10th grade year, because they passed me because my FCAT scores were high, but it said you have to make up all your work. I had like a 1.2 GPA. Like that was like, they weren't even supposed to pass me. And I tried out for the football team and I made first string linebacker. And then right before the game, the week of the game, they said, hey, you can't play. You don't have a 2.0. And I just remember just in the director's office, like eyes balling up with water, man. And then after that, man, I was like, you know what? Fuck school, dude. Like I'm not going to do your guys' work. Mm. I'm not going to you know, do what you want. I'm not, I'm not going to be a bad kid, but I'm not going to do your work. I'll show you, which is kind of the wrong mindset to have. Because I end up having to take night school classes and everything else to to end up graduating, you know. So now I, that was a lesson learned as well, too. Like, you know, all because you have a bad experience, you can't say, fuck it and do it your way. Mm. You're still going to have to participate in it, but make it work for you in, in, the, mean, in the meanwhile. That's good. That's good. That's good. So you, you guys went down that fitness thing. Where where do we get to where we, we, buy, we buy the gym? So, you- so I was actually... I was out of high school and I wanted to be a Navy SEAL. I wanted to go into the military. I was going to go Navy. So I ended up talking to these recruiters and uh, I wanted to, to get better in shape. I'm in my backyard. I'm doing my own workouts. I'm, I built a pull-up. Pull I got a pull-up bar that I built out of four by fours and I bolted a pull-up bar and I got doing pull-ups out there with the goats and stuff running around me, doing push-ups out there with the chickens and stuff running around me. And I'm flipping tires in my backyard and I wanted to get stronger. So I wanted to get a bigger tire. So I had one of my buddies drive me around. We were looking for tires on the side of the road. And we went past his warehouse and they had giant tires out back. And I was like, well, you'll pull over there. I want to see what that is. He's like, oh, that's a unique car place. They work on Lamborghinis and stuff. I said, what the hell do they need attractive tires for? I said, pull in there. So we pull in there. Look at the tires. I go and knock on the door. And this guy comes out with a shirt off. And he's all ripped to shreds. And he's sweating. And he's like, he's like, hey, can I help you? I'm like, yeah, I said, like, you guys using those tires back there? He's like, yeah, we're a CrossFit gym. I'm like, well, what is CrossFit? He's like, oh, come in, I'll show you. And I seen the, the ropes hanging from the ceiling, giant rigs, rings hanging, you know, a tire. I mean, old school boxing looking gym, right? I grew up in, I grew up boxing a little bit in, in, in an old warehouse. So like for me, this was home. Like I didn't care about LA Fitness and Crunch. It was too fancy. This was like my, my bread and butter. Like I loved it, man. There's chalk on the ground. People are dying on the ground. He's like, oh, you know, this is CrossFit, blah, blah, You should come try it out. I'm like, all right, you know, when can I try? He's like, come in tomorrow. It's uh, it's going to be, uh, we're going to do uh, 30 clean jerks at 135 for time. I'm like, that's easy. You know, because in high school, I was lifting, you know, 235 for cleaning jerks. I was like, 135 is going to be nothing. So I show up there and you have to do 30 of these bad boys for rep, for, rep, <laughs> for time. I'm like, all right, so I'll knock it out. So I'm, I didn't know any better. So I'm, I, there's me and like two other people in the class. One girl I went to high school with and this big guy named Crow. And uh, I'm in there and Crow comes up. He introduces my, himself to me and, and the other girl is in there. And we it goes, three, three, two, one, go. And I start doing clean jerks. I'm doing like split jerks with it, right? And I'm dropping each one. I get to like 15 reps and I'm dying, right? I'm, my heart rate's out. My, I'm got, about to throw up. I'm seeing stars. And all of a sudden Crow comes up and he starts clapping for me. I'm like, what the hell is this guy clapping for me? For? Like, he's even doing his own reps. And then I got like two or three more reps and I realize he's done. <laughs> I'm like, he's valid. How is he done already? It took me like six minutes and 17 seconds to do 30 clean jerks, which if you know Grace, it's that's a pathetic time. Like I was not in shape at all. 
And after that, man, I was just like, yo, how this this older, bigger guy smoke me? Like, he did it in, like, two minutes. And it took me six minutes. I'm like, and the coach came out. He's like, oh, how do you like to do? Sign me up, man. Sign me up. So <laughs> I signed the paper, signed up for a membership, and I had no money at all. This is back when the economy was bad. We had, uh, I'm not going to go into that that story because I think my, my dad would get upset with the story. Um, but, like, it was, it was rough times, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I had no money to pay for the membership. So I was working at, a, at a, the auction next door, the Orlando auction, and I was cleaning cars, waxing cars for a dollar a car. And I would start at like 10 p.m. and get off at 3 a.m. And then I would go home, go to, my mom would have to pick me up at 3 a.m. I didn't have a car. Or I would walk home sometimes, which was like an eight-mile walk. Um, and then I would go to CrossFit gym in the morning and then stay there all afternoon because the, the auction was right down the street. So I would stay there all day with this trainer. I'd do his workout in the morning. I would do a class workout and then open gym with him. And then when the four o'clock came, I would go to the auction. And that's where I lived. I was at his gym or the auction. And eventually, like, I, I quit the auction. And I brought my little brother in. And me and my little brother, he was like maybe 13 at the time. He went to the middle school down the street. And we would pick up beer cans and soda cans and tin and just like all this junk to take to the scrapyard to pay for our gym membership to go to CrossFit. Like that's how dedicated I was to it. And I just lived in that gym. Like I said, I didn't want, I wanted, my goal was to go to the CrossFit games. Like when I was there training, it was to go into the military. I wanted to get in good shape. And you know, everything happens for a reason. I had a very lazy recruiter and he just constantly, wasn't staying on top of me about signing up or anything like that. So that ended up getting pushed to wayside once I found out you can do competitions and get money for it in CrossFit. And then they had this thing called the CrossFit Games. And this guy called Rich Froning. And that year, I think he was winning like two in a row or something. So I became obsessed with him and his workouts and stuff like that. So I just lived in the gym, man. I, like I said, I took in scrap each month. They get paid for the membership for me and my brother. And I would go to the gym at like nine in the morning. I would stay there at six or seven at night. And then uh, one day the coach is there. He's like, dude, he's like, you freaking live here. He's like, why don't you just become a coach? He goes, and I can pay you to be here. I'm like, well, I don't, how do I become a coach? He's like, well, you got to go get your level one, blah, blah, blah. You know, go get that and we'll we'll make it work. So I told my dad about it. And uh, my dad's like, all right, let's let's do it. We found the money. You know, we, we he had some money. My grandmother had some money. And we had to go down to West Palm Beach. I remember that trip. It's the first time me and my dad ever took a road trip by ourselves together. It was pretty cool. Nice. We went down there on a Friday, stayed there Saturday, stayed there Sunday. Uh, waited a week to get the results back. I passed. Um, and they gave me a job, but the job was to work one class, one class a night. And it was for free to pay off my gym membership. So I did that for like maybe two months and they finally gave me another class. So they'd start paying me just $10 a class. So I was making 50 bucks a week and I had family members. I remember listening to my, my dad talk real quick. How old are you around this time? 21, 21, uh, 21 and 22. And I remember hearing on the porch, my dad talking to someone on the phone and this individual is telling my dad, like, he's 21 years old. He needs to get a real job. He needs to stop playing. He can help, you know, help pay for some of the stuff. He's only making $10 a day. But I was like, leave him alone. He's in his zone. And I didn't really know what that was, right? Mm. I didn't understand it at the time. And what had happened was I, I, I remember listening to Eric Thomas. You know who Eric yeah, Thomas is? Yeah, of course. And he was talking about just get the miracle, ter- miracle territory. Just get to the spot. And all these things would happen. So I would go to the gym and I would stay there and I would give my best. I remember cleaning up after classes and I'm thinking like, you know, I don't have to clean in between these plates. But I'm thinking like, 
one day I'm going to have my own gym mm. and I'm going to want someone cleaning between my plates, That's right? Good. So That's Eric good. talks about get to, America ter- get to the territory and it's going to be a miracle once you get there, but you have to get to the spot first. So I was pretending that was my spot and I was taking pride in my work and uh, I was training this, this, this group of people and one guy came up to me. He's like, Hey, right. He goes, have you ever, you're a good coach. You ever thought about opening up your own gym? I'm like, well, that's like 80 K. I don't have $80,000. Like I got, you know, I get paid this much, blah, blah. He's like, well, you find a spot. I'll pay for it all. And we'll split 50, 50. I'm like, yeah, okay, dude. He's like, no, seriously. I'm like, yeah, all right. So like a week or two passes and he comes up to me. He's like, hey, right. You find, you find a spot. I'm like, spot for what? He's like, our gym. I'm like, dude, like if you want to find a gym, like we'll go together and look, cause I'm not going to look like an asshole driving around at these, but these buildings, if you're just playing with me. So we started looking, man. We started looking and uh, we found everything happens for a reason. Sometimes, you know, it's God's way of like pushing us in a direction. And uh, we end up going to Claremont. I didn't want to be anywhere around my gym that I was working at out of respect. I didn't want to take any clients from them. So we go out to Claremont and this uh, industrial building, we find a spot. It's like 2,000 square feet. The guy gives me the lease. He's like, hey, take this home, bring it back tomorrow and you have the spot. So I said, all right. So I take it back home. And I signed the lease. And this is the goal in Claremont. That day, there's a CrossFit gym in Winter Garden. And uh, the coach there was writing on the whiteboard. And someone came in and shot him twice in the back of the head. And uh, I guess he had had a troubled past, you know, prior to that. And, you know, he found Jesus. And, like, his name of the, the gym was after the church. And, uh, sadly, you know, that happened. And the next day I show up at the warehouse industrial place to hand back my lease. And the guy goes, Hey, this might be related to CrossFit. So we don't want the CrossFit business in my warehouse. That has nothing to do with, with me or CrossFit. I said that, you know, this happened with with that individual. No, I don't want it here. So I'm like, shit. I was like, well, now I don't have a place to go. And like a week passed by and my dad calls me, he's doing a job. He does land clearing. He's like, Hey, right. You got to get out here to Narcusi road. Um, by Uncle Pete's house. Uncle, my Uncle Pete used to live out there. He goes, they have a building for rent that you can rent out. I'm like, Dad, there's nothing out there but like dirt roads and deer. I was like, there's no business out there. He's like, no, man, they're building up. He goes, it's called Lake Nona now. And it's building up like Windermere and Claremont. He's like, it, it's going to be big. I'm like, Dad, he's like, get out here now. I'm like, all right. So <laughs> I drive out there. And dude, I, I'm amazed at like within eight years, the difference in this area, right? I mean, this apartment building is going up left and right. And uh, we found a building, it was 3,000 square feet with AC, signed the lease, done. Moved out there, and uh, that's why I started my first, my first CrossFit gym, man. What, what, year, right what year is that at? 2014. 2014, that's crazy. And, and, and that's where I've met you at, man. I've been, I've been there plenty of times in the lion's den. I remember, man, one of my first memories of you is uh, you talking to the wall ball. <laughs> we had to do Let's like talk about wall balls, man, and like... Robert, Robert and Teresa brought you in. I remember walking up because I was going to you know, see how you were doing. You were like, I can do this, man. I own this wall ball. I'm the master. I'm like, this guy is off his rocker. <laughs> oh, I love and after that. that, man, you stuck with me, man. I'm, I'm going to yeah. remember this guy. That's funny. Yeah, I, I shoot. I've been to now, like, like now thinking about it, I've been to your competitions. Mm-hmm. And like, well, I think it was like Daytona. Or, yeah, that was probably the Bacon Beat Down. Out there by like closer to the water. We went to another one in the hangar. Like it was like, like oh a, yeah, it was Central Florida Throwdowns. Yeah. yeah, that's probably when Teresa was competing. Yeah, man, we've been to a few of those things with you guys, man. That's that's it's awesome. Been a wild ride, man. Like I said, like when I first opened up, like I didn't have any. It was away from everyone I knew. I had zero clients when I got there. Me and my mom, we we, did, we would go there every night to like two, three in the morning. 
painting the place, laying out the equipment and stuff like that, man. So how, how was like, how did you get your first client? So my dad, again, my dad just has this intuition about stuff, man. Like just like, I don't, I don't know what it is. Like everyone says my dad can fall in shit and come out smelling like a rose. Like he's one <laughs> of those guys. And he's like, we're out there building. He's like, right. He goes, you see this billboard out here? I'm like, yeah. He's like, you have to be on that billboard. I'm like, oh, I don't know how much that is. And I called and asked. And I told my business partner at the time, you know, I was like, hey, my dad wants to. He's like, oh, we can't afford that billboard. And my dad's like, you can't afford not to be on that billboard. You need to be on there before you're open. He's like, I tell you what, I'll pay for the first month. I was like, all right. So we had to sign like a year contract. My dad paid for the first month. If we didn't get any clients, my dad would continue to pay. If we started getting clients, and my we would take it over as a business. Dude, with my mom, my mom and I are in there painting. And as we're painting, we sign up three members before we even open the place up. And two of those wow. members are still with me today. Wow. Um, Jordan and Gil. So they've been with me going on eight years now. I want to say I remember Jordan. He, he used to compete in stuff. He right? competed, yeah. Yeah, yep, yeah I yep. remember him. I remember him. That's crazy. So so the billboard was one of the first like things to kick. So one of the big lessons that I learned was when I was at home, and this is going back in time a little bit, after high school and stuff, it was like 2010. The economy wasn't real good. We were going through a rough spot. And we had a farm. We had all these animals. And we were managing the barn across the street. And I remember saying, man, these the animals cost a lot to feed. These horses, $1,000 a month to feed. I'm like, man, these, these animals got to go to work, right? So I grabbed this uh, piece of plywood. And I wrote $5 pony rides. on. I spray painted $5 pony rides. Stuck it by the road, and me and my brother and sister, my mom, went to the barn across the street and stood there on a Saturday. Between Saturday and Sunday, we did 80 clients at $5 a pop. I went back to my old boxing coach, told him about it. He gave me, he used to make Italian ice. He gave me his cart for Italian ice, and I sold Italian ice there for $2 a pop. So now we have $5 pony rides. I got my brother, we call him the goat boy. He's out by the goat pen. He's selling bags of goat feed. The whole bag you can buy, like a 50-pound bag for like $8. He's selling a Ziploc bag for a dollar a piece so people can hand feed the goats. Man, we, that was one of the best, like, that was like my entrepreneur so how side are you, coming how out. How old are you at this point? This is before we opened the gym. So I was probably like 19 or 20 at the wow. time, man. And it ended up being a really big thing. It was $5 pony rides. People would come, people loved it. They would stay hours and hours uh, they would come buy their kids, you know, the pony rides. They would buy goat feed all day. They would buy the Italian ice all day. We brought the wolves over. We put them in the horse stalls. People look at the horse, uh, the the wolves and stuff like that. We're giving them a tour around the whole barn. And, and you started all of this. I started all that. Yeah, I man. That's one of the things I'm proud of the most, man, because it still goes on today. My mom has it in her backyard now, but it was one of those things that, like, you know, That's that was awesome. my first aunt. Like, holy crap, I can actually do this. And that was my first time like interacting with people and like, you know, touring them around and giving them signs of like it. But one of the big lessons why we're talking about the CrossFit gym and this was I remember one time I was getting lazy with it. It was like two or three months in and my dad's like, hey, because we, we oh, it was so ghetto. We <laughs> took pieces of plywood and nailed two by fours to it. And we would go down to 7-Eleven and with pole diggers, dig a hole and put the sign down by 7-Eleven, down in front of the, the horse stall and down at the sicko station at the other end and then down in front of the church. I remember it being Friday night. And my dad's like, hey, Red, did you put the signs out yet? I said, no, Dad, I'll do it in the morning. He's like, no, go put the signs out now. I said, Dad, I'll do it in the morning. What's the bit? He's like, those signs will work for you while you sleep. Mm. He's like, how many people are going to drive through that red light tonight and see a $5 pony ride? They'll drive past the shirt and see $5 pony ride while you're sleeping. He said, that mm. sign will work for you while you sleep. So when I opened Boy, the gym, 
He reminds him, right? While you're building this out, that sign will work for you. While you, and that always stuck with me. Mm. It always stuck. Now I get lazy of like posting a Facebook post or something like that about my online fitness business. I'm like, that will work for me tonight while I'm sleeping. Why mm. put it off tomorrow when people who are staying up late tonight are scrolling by seeing it, right? Mm. So don't miss the opportunity because you want to you wanna sleep. That's good, bro. That's good. That's it. We didn't rewind that. Drop the bomb. Now that's really good, man. And it's true. It's true. It's like making your money work for you, right? And making certain things work for you. I think that's like a programming that I had to shift, right? Growing up with, with you know, similar situations, not a lot of money. When you get the money, you start to like want to just hoard the money, right? And then you start to realize that it's actually a process of, you know, making it work for you and going out and investing it back. So I, I, I love that journey. So you put the billboard out. The CrossFit gym is thriving. Was there ever a point where the CrossFit gym business started to dip for you or have you kept it pretty consistent? So my goal was to build a family at this CrossFit gym, um, a community that people can go and just love being a part of. Right. I mean, that's what people even people who don't like working out come to my gym just because of the people in the gym. Right. And we've gone through even recently, we've gone through some struggles and like the integrity of the gym is there. We have good people. And that's what I wanted from the get-go. So from the get-go, I wanted to build that that community. Shoot, I, I, I'm not even into CrossFit. I would go to the competitions and stuff just because... Yeah, just to show support, you know, some uh, support to the, the to Teresa who is competing, Robert who is competing. Yeah. And you guys, you always make it like family. Rhonda sticks out, her husband. Um, that's, that, 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 that's cool. So... You have it. You, you you always stuck through so it. So just just a, a sticking point on that. Like during COVID, you asked, you know, mm-hmm. what kind of gym do I have? And if there's any any issues. When COVID happened, we had to go through quarantine, and and all the gyms had to shut down around the world. Right. A lot of gyms lost all their members, and they got shut down afterwards, and they lost their coaches. And I remember having to shut down. I'm like, hey, I don't want to lose my coaches. I mean, they're going to have to find some kind of work. They're going to have to be paid for this. And I went to my business partners and we came up with the idea that we're going to pay our coaches to stay mm-hmm. home and we're going to rent out the equipment to our members for like 50 bucks a month for like a barbell and some plates or something like that until this thing goes away. And we told our members that, hey, we put a, a post. Actually, we didn't put this out. One of my members put this post out was like, hey, guys, we're all going through this together. I'm going to pay my membership 100%. So we can help pay the coaches. So when we do open up, we have our family back. Mm. And dude, like 60 or 70% of our members kept a full paying membership when the gym was closed. So when they came back, they had this home to come back to. And that's, that, that, that spoke wow. volume, man. Well, let, let, let's touch on that. What do you feel, what type of things did you feel like you implemented in that process to create that? Because I think that's one of the most... One of the most things that aren't talked about when building a business, right? Like to me, when I worked with Sesai, what really made it special was the culture behind Sesai, mm-hmm. that feeling of family, of going to things together and, 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 and the employees to the customers feel like family. How do you think you were able to build that culture that when, when shit hit the fan, 60 to 70 percent of your clientele stuck through with it? My dad said it best to me one day. He's like, uh. They write, people like you because you don't have any deceit in you. Mm, talk about that. Like you, I actually care for people. Like mm. I don't ever try to lead people down the wrong path. If I say something to you, it's because I think it's going to be the best thing being said to you at that moment for your, your path. I like that. And I think we just kept a really good integrity 
in the gym and people could feel that. People know that you care for them. I think Les Brown said that people don't care what you know until they know what, how much you care about them. Mm, you know, well, I'm, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but it, it's that stuck with me. And people can tell if you mean it or not by the way you treat them, look at them, and listen to them. And I think that spoke volume for, you know, as a coach, people knew that I care about them. They still know I care about them. That's why I think the gym is as big as it is right now. Love that. Love that. Love that. And, and I agree because I've been around you. I've been around your family. Um, and I could attest to that. I could attest about the culture, the vibe in there from day one. Like, you know, just because I would be around, you would always tell me like, you know, just pop in. You don't have to pay. Like, it's just just come in. You come in once in a blue moon. Just come, just come by. Um, even during COVID, you know, and it's funny that it's, it's great. I just wanted to transition into this question. But even COVID, you sent me the, the application to, hey, just give me feedback. And it, it's funny. Everything works, works together because I was just telling people that during COVID, I would go and I would go downstairs to my to the side. I forgot how we got talking about an app. But I was talking about the app and how I would go and, and do the workouts. Because my joke is, is I just go to the gym and pick shit up and put it down. I don't know what the <laughs> fuck I'm doing. But when you had this app, you know, I, I would go on and do COVID and I, I would work out and I would follow what you would tell me to do. So touching on that, I want to get into like all of that, the app and the coaching and, and all the business stuff that you're doing before we close out. But tell me about health and, and how has health helped you during the COVID during the COVID process and staying sick, did you get sick um, during COVID? And what advice would you give for people to stay healthy and fit through COVID? So I know it's a it's a touchy subject, and I think everybody needs to be careful when they talk about the subject because people are crazy on both sides, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I've had the virus twice. Uh, I took green tea. You know, some other people taking it. We've had family members, my wife's side of the family that, you know, ended up in the hospital with it. You know, but I think me and my wife throughout the years have taken really good care of our body. We go out of our way to buy organic foods. We go out of our way to work out daily. We go out of our way to make sure we get enough water throughout the day. What's crazy is you go to Publix, man, you know, when when the shit was going down, you see people walking with like football helmets that are visored up and like they have these gloves up to their elbows and you know they're wearing like hazard suits and then in their shopping cart they get two 12 packs of coca-cola mm. bread pop-tart cereal and they're like 80 pounds overweight and like you're, you're making yourself sick dude like that's that's like that's like wearing a seatbelt you know by your swimming pool or something like that it doesn't make sense like you're putting all this bad stuff into your body but you're trying to you know, protect yourself from getting sick, like become a student of the game, learn what is healthy and approach it that way. Like, so I've talked to family members who, you know, respect my opinion, stuff like that. And I've gotten them on diet plans. Like they're mm. down 30, 40 pounds now. Love they're drinking that. water. They don't drink diet soda. They used to like, well, diet soda is healthy. I said, like, what is healthy about diet soda? So like, well, it's, it's for the diet. I'm like, what's in it that you can name the ingredients on there that you can tell me what they are. And then, you know, how much water are you consuming a day? So if I had to give advice to somebody, I would say, one, drink half your body weight in ounces, get rid of soda, um, go into, watch your, become a student of the game when it comes to nutrition. Like it's a really big topic to talk about right now. Like it's, I can go into it, but it's going to be really deep. 
But going to a, a calorie deficit, finding out, talk to someone, you can reach out to me or, or go online. Like all this information is free. Go to my YouTube channel, go to someone else's YouTube channel, type in how much calories do I need in a day? And you can find that. That's free. Mm-hmm. Find that, go into a slight calorie deficit if you're overweight, get your weight under control first, and then get the water. So many people are below the protein intake and below the water intake, and that's why they're constantly sick. Mm. They live sick. But the body is meant to survive, so they don't know the difference. Like if I go and like I've gone healthy for so long with intermittent fasting and eating organic foods and growing up, like I could eat a whole box of Little Caesars pizza and feel fine. Thought I felt fine. Now if I do that, the next day, man, my stomach is killing me. And it's because my body has gone so long without the crap, the extra grease, the extra, the bread and the, and the bullshit that's in it. Compared to always eating healthy, my body knows the difference now. I was like, hey, dude, we don't like this, man. Yeah. So my biggest advice is if you're really worried about this thing going on in the world right now is become a student of nutrition, not even working out, just nutrition, man. I mean, we're so we're so far gone as society as what's right to eat and what's not right to eat. Mm-hmm. And we're constantly being marketed to, you know, they know the marketers are smart people, man. They know how to market, they know what you like, and then they're marketing to you, and so you end up buying this stuff that you think is healthy. You don't need detox stuff. You don't need a herbal life or Advocare. All you have to do is eat right, and it's not expensive. On my Instagram, I post pictures all the time, like my whole organic plate cost me $3.60 for breakfast, and that's 1,200 calories right there. Yeah, yeah. It's not expensive. That's a lie. That's a myth. And it's like, you know, so I talked about it this morning, you know, Bro, it's a dollar fifty, two dollars maybe an extra for the eggs. But it's like you go spend it on something else, right? Like, why not eat my body? Like, oh, we eat these eggs, it's healthy for me. You eat those bullshit ass eggs, they don't even have no protein in it. So, like to your point, like if you buy store cheap store-bought eggs, you crack if you can the shell is very easy to break. You just barely tap, it breaks open, and is this very pale yellow yolk comes out. On my farm. You have to hit that egg a couple of times for it to break open, and it's a bright reddish-orange yolk. It's a totally different yolk. And you said it's $1.50 more? It's not. Find a local farm and go there, and it's it's just as cheap as the cheapest eggs you can buy at Publix. And it's way healthier because the people have... You know, they keep the chickens in the yard for agricultural reasons or, you know, they keep the bugs away and they're constantly laying eggs. So they start picking these eggs and they sell them for like two, three dollars a carton and they're organic eggs. So where's the nearest farm here? I'm close. I'm close by to Lake Nona. There's like in Lake Nona, there's like three or four of them. There's two in my neighborhood. There's one down Tyson. Um, You're going to St. Cloud. They sell honey and and. They're all over the place, man. You, you see, like, something. the signs on the side of the road. Yeah, I, I won't be in the boondock. You know, I'm a city boy, man. <laughs> so you got to send me some. But I I, I, I agree. And I, I like that you... And then, re, uh, like, go on uh, on Google and just type in, you know, natural farms or natural dairy farms. And you'll see, like, this raw milk. You can consume raw milk. This whole thing about, oh, don't consume raw milk, you'll get sick. It's a myth. You actually get more sick from pasteurized milk than you do from raw form milk because... Certain ingredients are boiled out of the out of the milk, so you want to have natural organic foods the most you can. So some of these farms sell the milk, they make their own Greek yogurt, they have their eggs, they have or uh, you know free range chickens. So, so like I said, become a student of the game, do your research. It's an excuse not to know where to buy. I, it's a lazy man's way to say, "Oh, I'll just go to Walmart because it's right down the street," or "I'll just do Instacart." It's right. It, I don't have to leave my house now. Research it and go get it, man. I mean, you should be able to. You, 
It's hard. Yeah, no, no, no. I I agree. And that's something that at this age, I'm I'm taking care, better care of myself. I started um going to the gym in November. It's it's been a thing now. It's it's, it's been a habit. I, I started going in the morning, so I'm going around like five five thirty in the morning. Excuse me, every single morning. And it's for the first time, bro. I just said this today. The first time for the longest time, I'm like seeing definition. I'm mm-hmm. seeing my body shape a little bit. And it's exciting me. It's keeping me going. Like even, even today, like I have to like, man, I got to find that gap to make it to the gym now. Like I, I you can't I'm, find it. You got to create it, dude. Amen. 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 Talk about that then. Talk about that. Creating it. How a lot of people have these dreams and aspirations and want to do things, but they, they, like they can do it. All right. Talk just about fucking, just fucking do it, man. What what clicks for you that says okay, I'm, I could just do it? You get it. One, you gotta have belief. A lot of people like I, I grew up in a family, man, very supportive. Mom and dad, like I said, like when everyone was telling my dad, like, hey, Red Sky, go get a real job. He's not really doing anything. My dad said, hey, he's in his zone. Let him go. And now I have what I have now. But you have to believe in yourself to begin with. And if you want to do it, man, like. I think, I think, who's that? I think Eric Thomas, Les Brown said the best. Like, you're not a tree. Like, if you don't like where you're at, get up and move. You're not rooted yeah. in that one spot. That's good. So if you're in a bad area, like, the bus runs all the time. Get in the bus and go to a different town and then start somewhere new and build yourself up there once you get away, away from all that negative influence. But if you want something, go and create it, man. Like, when adversity hit with the whole COVID thing, like, I knew, because I do a lot of one-on-ones, meet with people in person, I had 28 clients that I would see weekly. That was gone. Just like that. So I could have sat back and like, I need to get these checks and I'll just wait it out. Or you know what? Hey, that was it. I'll just find some work after this. Instead, I I pivoted, right? I'm like, mm-hmm. hey, I'm going to go online, which I never thought like I could make money online, like a, like a career online with fitness and stuff like that. So I pivoted. That's how like earlier you say, like, I don't know how we got onto that, that app thing. Well, I was starting to advertise on Facebook and Instagram and stuff like that. And I reached out to you and was like, hey, Ryan, you, know, you want to do this app? I, w- I would like you to try it out, blah, blah. It was, the, it was my first time trying it out. So I wanted some guinea pigs to try it out on. Yeah, so yeah. you have to roll with the punches. But and when you're boxing, you roll with the punches and you pivot and punch from another angle. Mm, so if good, you really want something, man, you know, the man that wants it finds an excuse. The man who doesn't want it, and you know, the man who wants it will find a reason to get it done. The man who doesn't want it will find an excuse. That's good. That's good. That's good. Man, man, you drop in. There should be like a gem meter every time you drop a gem. Um, so what is your what, what is your tactic now? What are you focusing on right now? You have the CrossFit gym. Are you doing a personal training? Talk, talk about that. How do we get, how do we tap in and, and work with you if somebody's looking to get, you know, healthy and, and, and strong? And so right now I have the, the CrossFit gym in Lake Nona. It's CrossFit Lines then. Um, that's ongoing. I have my coaches in there coaching for me. I drop in and out. Um, I just see the clients, hang out with them, make sure the atmosphere is going okay. My wife is actually a coach there now too. Um, I mostly do my one-on-ones, but I'm really trying to focus more on that online. I see that more as a scalable business now. And I'm very excited to learn new things. I'm constantly learning, you know, how to reach people through platforms like this and Facebook and Instagram. And now I'm on TikTok and stuff like that. So reaching out to people to build on that, that online business so I can help inspire people to live their fullest life. Um, like I talked about earlier, like with Greg Plitt, like his message to me was like, you get one fucking life. You get mm. one shot, this thing called life, and that's it. So when I'm 100 years old and I look back at my life, I want to make sure I impacted people. 
Like I made a difference. And the way I can make the difference the biggest is by going online and helping people who might be 60, 80 pounds overweight that's just like, they're unhappy, man. They, they can't play with their kids in the backyard. You know, they can't go to work. They, they're, they're just, they don't feel good about themselves. They don't feel good, period. And sometimes, you know, I don't want to take, say that it's not their fault because they could always learn, but sometimes they're not educated on this. It's a hard thing. I learned this from my family members. I'm like, how don't you, how, how come you don't know this? Well, it was never of interest to them. Because mm. like some school topics were never interest to me. So I didn't care about that. So I never learned it. It's not that I was stupid or I actually didn't want to. So for them, learning about nutrition and fitness was kind of boring. So they never learned it. I have this knowledge. I want to give it to them. And the best way I can do it that I impact the most people is through online now. Teaching people how to eat right. How much water. Where to get your water from. Because you don't want to drink, you know, these water bottles. This uh, That's another deep topic we can go into later on. But you don't want to drink plastic water bottles, man. So teaching people the reason why behind it so they can change their life is what I want to do now. I want to I want to be able to impact as much people as I can through fitness so they can live a better life and a fuller life. Mm, that's good, man. That's good. Who is Rep Barber, man? Like 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 behind the surface, man, who are you and, and, and what ultimately do you truly just want to achieve? Man, I just want to be myself. I want to live myself to the fullest, man. And my one of my great messages I always speak on is when I'm 103 years old and I'm laying on my deathbed and you can't speak, you're just you're waiting for your last couple of days. Those last couple of days could be agonizing hell if you did not live life to the fullest because you're going to be sitting there with all these thoughts. You know, Les Brown says the best. All these ghosts of the past will come to you. These ideas you could have done. Um, these businesses, these experiences you could have had, but you would rather sit on your phone and scroll through your phone or watch Netflix and you chose not to experience it or you were too scared to move forward with something. So you're laying on your deathbed and you're thinking, oh my God, I could have done this and I could have done that and I didn't do it. Or you could be laying on your deathbed watching your life's film be like, man, I did some crazy shit, man. It was a roller coaster. I was up and I was down, but I lived it. It was my life and I, and I, and I loved it. And I'm, I'm okay going. I'm okay with death now. So that's your choice, man. So like when I, when I, when I look at myself and I say, what do I want to do with my life? It's all towards that end goal. When, you know, hopefully I make it to 103, 106 years old. The oldest member of my family is 105. So I want to live to 106. Mm. I want to beat that person, right? So that's <laughs> my great grandmother, man. So I want to live to 106. When I'm on my deathbed, man, like, and you can't speak, no one else is going to be inside your head with you. No one's going to be Talk knowing what you're Let's thinking, go. your your regrets, your experiences, what you were happy with. And most of the time, when you go back and you research, you know, what do people talk about under that bed is most regrets that they didn't make amends with someone they loved or they didn't take a chance on this business endeavor. Or, you know, maybe they just didn't do anything because they were too scared to go outside. Like right now with this whole thing going on, mm. people are scared, man. They're in the corner with a sheet above their head, hoping this is going to go away one day. And it's not. Mm. No, cool. you got to put your foot down and live your life, man. My motivation is death. Death is the greatest teacher of all. That will teach you. That will put life in into perspective, right? So this, this story... We got time to go into a little story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, come man. On. My uh, my best friend, my my dog, uh, Vinny. If anyone knows me or follows me, they know like this dog was at the gym with me. This dog, I think God put God is God is clever, man. He puts things in your life and has you go down certain roads, man, so you can experience it, dude. And I remember 
we were working on this farm back in the day and you know, I was taking my, he was with me, my friend, and he's like, hey, go down this road. It's quicker to my house. I've never gone down this road. I was like, all right, fine. So we drove down this road and as I'm going down, there's two puppies in the middle of the road. So me being an animal lover, I'm like, hey, I got to move these, these puppies. So I pull over, I pick these two puppies up and I'm looking at the houses and I put this puppy on the porch and I walk to my car and the puppy's falling back to the car. I'm like, no, you guys got to stay here, man. So I put him back on the porch. I walk to my car so they wouldn't follow me and a UPS truck comes, a dog's dart in front of it and almost get hit by the car. So I'm like, shit, I can't leave these puppies here. So I take them home with me. So I take these puppies home. They're like eight or nine weeks old. And I have this one brown one with me with floppy ears. And I'm like, hey, you're kind of cute. I'm going to take you to my, uh, my sister was showing horses at the time down the street at the 4-H place or the, you know, Horseman's Park. And I used to go there and meet chicks, right? Okay, <laughs> you know? okay, so God. I was like, they're going to love this dog. So I walk around with this dog. He got me two dates. Hey, I'm like, dude, you're sticking with me, man. I'm going to keep you. And we go back home and I watch this movie called uh, My Cousin Vinny. You ever seen yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Favorite movie, man. So I named this dog Vinny. Mm. And uh, he was my buddy, man. My best friend. He stepped on my pillow from day one, dude. And when I opened up my gym, he had to stay at my parents' house because I lived I lived in the closet of my gym. Like I didn't have any money. So I, I found a cot. I put it on the floor. And that's why I slept for 18 months. And I couldn't bring him with me, but every now and then I'll bring him, I'll go home on the weekends, I'll bring him, bring him back to the gym with me for a week and he would stay there with me. So anyways, this, this dog is my best friend, right? And uh, I meet my wife, we get married, we buy a house over in St. Cloud, it's a townhouse. I want to bring this dog with me, but I know he grew up on the farm and he's going to hate the townhouse. There's no windows, there's no backyard, like what's he going to do? Like he's used to having the doors open and going in and I was like, I can't take him with me. I remember going to my parents' house every weekend and seeing him by the fence and just like tears would almost come my eyes because I would leave this dog behind. He's just, he would sit the whole week and just wait for me to come back. And there was an incident where my, my brother brought this dog home that he found on the side of the road and we nursed it back to health and this dog did not like Vinny and he tried to attack Vinny. There was an incident where there was a big fight and we had to, we had to get rid of this dog. And I ended up taking Vinny home with me because the other dog, there was three dogs involved. The other dog was becoming... A much bigger dog now and he wasn't fixed as well. I'm like, well, he's going to fight with Vinny. Let me take Vinny home for a couple weeks. So I took Vinny back to my house and it took some adjusting time, but he got, he got used to it. But after like three months of him staying with me, um, I took him to the vet to get a checkup. He had this weird tumor thing growing on his head and we could start with a fatty tissue and I just wanted to get it checked. So the vet was like, Hey, yeah, we can remove it. Um, but we're going to have to put him to sleep to remove this thing. I was like, all right. He's like, we got to test his kidneys and all that to make sure he's okay to get anesthesia because otherwise they won't wake up from anesthesia if the kidneys are bad. All right, go ahead and test it. And I remember training someone and I get the phone call from the vet and they're like, hey, uh, we can't take this thing off your dog's head because he has kidney failure. I'm like, what do you mean he has kidney failure? What are you talking about? Like, yeah, he's got pretty severe kidney failure. I'm like, what does this mean? They're like, well, we got to do some other tests. And so I go to the, the vet and they start doing something like, oh, the, there's something in his, in his bladder. We can't really tell what it is. You got to go to another vet that has a better ultrasound. And I was like, man, none of this sounds good. Like my heart is like breaking right now. I'm like, what does this mean? They're like, usually with dogs with this type of kidney failure, they have like a year to live. I'm like, damn, I only got a year left for my, my best friend. And like, well, you have to go to this other vet, the specialist and get this bladder. There's something in the bladder. I can't tell with my machine. You got to go here. So I go there. I take Vinny to the specialist. And we're sitting there and they do like this ultrasound thing. And it's like an hour before the vet comes back in to the room. And when doctors and vets take a long time to come back in, yeah, man, yeah. it's never good news, man. 
And he came back in. He's like, hey, we found some tumors in your dog's bladder. He has uh, bladder cancer and kidney failure. I'm like, shit, dude. So what, what, what does that mean? He's like, well, you know, you have to start doing chemo right away. I'm like, chemo? And my uncle just died from cancer like a, like a year or two ago. And him saying that chemo was like, as soon as he started chemo, like it killed him. He was just wiped out and he was dead within like two months of doing that. Like it was just, it didn't work for him. So I was like, like man, I was like, I don't want to do, I said, like, what kind of life he's going to have on chemo? They're like, well, he'll have good days and bad days. He'll be lethargic. He'll have to come stay here some nights, hooked to the machine. I'm like, yeah, my dog's not staying anywhere without me. Like this dog's got separation issues. Like he, you're not putting him in a cage, hooked to wires. And like, he doesn't know what's going on, right? It's not, it doesn't click with him. And I was like, well, what if I don't do, <clears throat> if I don't do the chemo? He's like, well, if you do do the chemo, you're looking at six months of life. I'm like, with chemo, I got six months of life with him? So I said, what about without chemo? Like you're looking at three months tops. Mm. I'm like, fuck, man. I kind of sat there for a little bit and I looked at Vinny and I go, uh, yeah, I'm not going to do the chemo, man. He's like, well, then you have three months for him to live. I'm like, well, it's going to be the best three fucking mm. months this dog's ever had, man. So I remember bawling my eyes out in the car, man. And if, if you're a dog lover, yeah, like you got yeah, your dog yeah, here, yeah, man. Like, just imagine like oh, getting yeah. this news all within 24 hours, man. And you're like, dude, what the? So adversity hits just like that. Everything's going good, man. And then boom, it hits you, right? What do you do then? So I went home. I, the only thing I knew what to do was I grabbed my grandfather's rosaries and I said the rosary. Mm. And I just prayed, not for a cure, but for answers. I say, I just want good quality of life this next three months. You know, because now it's not about quantity. It's mm. about quality, right? Because I can good. give him an extra three months on the chemo, but it's going to be a shitty, shitty quality of life. I want quality. And then within like a few hours, man, I started yeah. doing some research and I found some treatments, I, it's some weird homemade treatment stuff, man. I, I don't know if I want to say it on here because I don't want people to start doing it like, hey, I got it from Rhett or whatever, yeah. but uh, we can talk about that a different time. But I started doing this homemade treatment and diet, right? Diets for my dog. I get rid of the dry dog food, which I found out that's like people living off the pot, off of Pop-Tarts and cereal, right? There's nothing good in dry dog food. So... Anyways, I started doing all this research. I put my dog on this homemade treatment, changed his diet up to like a ketogenic diet. And we had our, our ups and downs, man. This dog, this dog ended up being the definition for me of never laying down, never quitting when the odds are against you, man. Because the vet said he had three months to live. We started doing these treatments and stuff like that. It's five months now. It's six. He's still playing in my parents' pool, swimming every day. We have our ups and downs. He's peeing out a lot of blood right now sometimes too. And, you know, so there's ups and downs. There's scary moments. And like I said, God is God is, is funny, man, because like he taught me like to never give up because mm. Vinny one day became really, really sick after he got done playing. I'm like, what? Why is he really sick? He's throwing up all this stuff and he's, he's not doing good. So I take him to the vet. We go and get an ultrasound. And in his belly, they find this object in his belly. And this is like... This is maybe six months in, eight months in to like this whole treatment thing. And uh, they found this object in his belly. And they're like, hey, he swallowed something. Um, we're going to have to get this out. I'm like, all right, because it's blocked and whatever. And they call me back and they're like, hey, right, you know, we forgot that your dog has kidney failure. I'm like, yeah, like we can't put him under. I'm like, oh. And they're like, if he goes under, he's not going to wake up from the anesthesia. I'm like, look, I was like, this is between God and this dog. Put him to sleep, give him the anesthesia, do the surgery, whatever happens between him 
And God, she was Mr. Barber. And she's trying to talk. I'm on my way down to the vet now. I had to drop him off the night before. I'm driving. I said, she was Mr. Barber. He's not going to make it out. I'm trying to save you $7,000 of this surgery. I said, doctor, look, you do your work. Leave it up to this dog. She was, okay, Mr. Barber, I understand. She was, I just want to last. I know. Go ahead and do your work. Go drive down there. You know, I'm walking him around one last time because I don't know. This could be his last go around. So I'm walking around because, you know, loving on him, stuff like that. Tell me, you know, hey, Vinny, you got this, man. And I dropped him off to the vet. And that, that drive home was like two hours, man. That was the longest drive mm. home, man. And I remember just going back to my parents' house and sitting there with the rosaries and just praying. And the surgery is supposed to end at 4 o'clock. It's 4.30. It's 4.45. I'm calling. They're not picking up. I'm like, son of a bitch, man. Like, something happened. So they call me back at four, like four fifty, and like Mr. Barber, I'm just, I'm just washing my hands up now. I go, okay, what happened? She goes, it's unbelievable. She goes, your dog's already stable. Like we, 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 we just took him off. He doesn't have to be hooked up to anything. He's doing really good. He's actually recovering right now. I said, oh man, I said, what do you guys find? She's like, honestly, nothing. I'm like, what do you mean nothing? I said, on the, on the, on this picture, you found an object in his stomach. She's like, I went into his stomach. She's like, cut him open. There was like 38 stitches, 38 staples this dog ended up getting. It was cut from his, his rib cage down to like almost where his, his nuts were at. They had to open him up all the way, all his intestines on the table, his stomach. They said, we opened up, we couldn't find anything. She goes, but while I was in there, I found an ulcer. She goes, I got rid of the ulcer for you because the ulcer would have killed your dog. Dogs can't survive with ulcer. She goes, we got rid of that. She goes, and I, and I sewed him back up and then I... Did another scan and that object was still popping up. So my my nurses made me go back in out and when I got, and it was no bigger than half the size of my my pinky nail and it was a piece of the tennis ball that he swallowed. But it went and it made no difference. But it was sideways in the picture and it was bigger in the picture than it actually was in real life. And if it wasn't for that little piece of tennis ball. That looked bigger on the picture, they never would have opened him up and they never would have found the ulcer that was the main killer. Wow. So That's that nice. was, that was, and he survived. He turned around, you know, fully stitched up. I nursed him back to health. You know, so that was one down. This dog, man, it was unbelievable. So eight months later, so now we're, now we're two years in. We're in that house and he's, 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 he's dying, right? He's like, Maybe he's usually like a 70 pound dog. He's down to 35. He's all of a sudden he's just dying, right? I'm like, why is he dying? He's, he's down to nothing. You know, he's falling over. He can't stand up when he pees. He's falling on the ground. I have to hold him up by his back. And I'm like, I got to put him down. This is, this is time. So I take him to my parents' house and, uh, uh, we're sitting there by the pool and we're calling the vet and the vet's like, yeah, I'll be there at six. You know, it's like two o'clock in the afternoon now. And I remember sitting there just holding Vinny by the pool and he loved the pool and I remember saying the prayer, man, because I didn't want to put something in my stomach didn't feel right. I'm like, God, just give me a sign not to put this dog down. And like 20 minutes later, like we hear a splash. I'm talking to my parents. I hear the splash in the pool. And we turn around and it's Vinny swimming in the pool. Like, oh my God, he's going to drown. He saw a toy floating and he swam back to the step. I'm like, you know what? That's my sign. Oh, call shit. the vet, Ma. Tell her not to come. She was right. You know, this dog. I said, call the vet. Tell her not to come. So I called the vet up. And I told the vet, I said, hey, uh, don't come. We'll pay you, you know, even though we schedule, we'll pay you, blah, blah, blah. She goes, well, Mr. Barber, because no, your dog's not going to come back too. When the cancer sets in and they're wobbly in the back end, like the muscles are not going to come back. It's eating away at the body. You know, he's he's not going to say, let me see how the next 40 hours go. I go, she goes, well, what's wrong with him? I said, well, you know, the dog has kidney failure and the dog has bladder cancer. It's X amount of stage or whatever. 
I was like, how long do these dogs usually live? She's like, well, without treatment, usually like three months. I'm like, well, it's been 22 months. And she's like, wow, Mr. Barber, you're on some really borrowed time. I said, no, I said, we're blessed. I said, we're doing good right now. Started taking the dog back home, started feeding him steaks. And the dog came back to life within like, within like three weeks, he was back to jumping over my head. And this dog was supposed to be dead like 18 months ago, 20 months ago. And he's, he's running around, dude, man, long story short, man. Cause I know I'm, I'm wrapping up, man. I love this dog, but we turned that three months into 33 months and 16 days mm. just off of diet and prayers, right? Becoming a student of the game. This made me really dig in deep to what nutrition can really do. Cause yeah, the prayer, I believe the pr- prayers work, but you have to be logical sometimes. Like we changed up the nutrition that made a huge impact. One of my favorite favorite sayings is faith without works is dead. Yeah, man, you gotta have you gotta have both, man. You can't just pray on something and think it's gonna happen. You gotta pray and then work towards it, right? Mm-hmm. Like you said, faith without works is dead, yeah. and that's exactly what would have happened if I would have just prayed and just said, "Oh, you know what? Just keep eating the dry dog food that the vet recommended." You know, because they don't know they don't know about dog. Sadly, most vets don't know about dogs' nutrition and stuff like that. So, long story short, man, that dog put. I knew he was gonna die soon, and they gave him that three months to live. I was like, it's going to be the best quality of life this dog's ever had. It made every time I played with this dog, the most precious time. When I'm with my parents now, I pay attention. I look at my parents eye to eye. I'm in that moment because you never know the next day. Mm. They get cancer. They get sick. You know, car accident. Shit like that happens. So you need to be present in the moment. So that dog taught me, one, never quit. The vets counted him out. The doctors counted him out. He was dead multiple times, came back to life, right? So never lay down, never quit, always take another step forward. The second lesson he taught me was like, cherish every moment you have of every day. Don't take it for granted. You know, sitting around the house watching Netflix for 12 hours straight, man, you're wasting your life. You could have spent that, even if it's on the phone or FaceTime, talking with someone you love, doing something you love, right? You don't want to leave this life behind not knowing you gave it everything you have. And like I said, death was the greatest teacher. I think CL, I think it was in CL Lewis's book. Uh, no, I'm sorry. It was in uh, this book I just read. And it's talking about death being the greatest teacher. And that just, that just hit home, man. Uh, the intangible soul, I think it's what it's called. The untouchable soul. And that just touched home for me, man. It was like, death is your greatest teacher. And you can either be scared of death. Mm. Or you can learn from death and cherish every moment. Because that's one thing that everybody, every organism, every living thing on this planet is all going to share. But individual Mm. is your own death. And when you're laying there, you better have some good stories to think about while you're laying in that deathbed. Mm, That's good. Well, brother, let's wrap up there. You dropped a lot of of, of knowledge and gems. This is one of those ones you're going to have to take this car ride and listen to. I'm really soaking in, bro. I love your energy. You got me going. I'm glad that like we're setting the tone. We're getting this edited tomorrow and out hopefully next week because this is going to be the banger coming back on the podcast, man. You you dropped a lot of great knowledge, man. But tell them how to tap in with you, how to get your online coaching program, how to visit the gym. This is your moment to shine, brother. Let them know what you're Yeah, doing. man. So if you're in the Lake Nona area, it's CrossFit Lines then. Um, if you're someone that wants to train from home, you know, maybe you need help with nutrition or programming. Like you said, you go to the gym, and you, you pick things up and send that. Mm-hmm. You don't know what you're doing. You're spinning the wheels, 
but you're like that hamster in a cage. You, you might not be going anywhere, right? So if you get the right knowledge or right direction, you get the right map, you can spin your wheels and go into the direction you want to go to. Right. So if someone needs help with nutrition or guidance or workout or motivation, um, Rhett Barber on YouTube, um, Rhett Barber on Facebook, Rhett Barber Fitness on TikTok, Rhett Barber Fitness on Instagram. Um, I'm on all those platforms. I'm new to the internet, so it's it's slowly building up. Um, so hit me up on there. I'll be happy to answer. Even if you just have questions, man. Maybe I can just you don't have money for it. Maybe you're a young kid and you're like, hey, I need to change, but I have, you know, I can't really invest into it. I could recommend books that you can go that you can buy for six dollars on Amazon to get you on the right path, man. It's it's being a student of the game, and I hope I can inspire people that to know that they can learn from me and all of life. And how to better themselves and better life. Because again, you got one shot this thing called life, man. You better not fucking waste it. I love it, man. This dude has a heart of gold. We'll make sure that we put, go into the comic bo- comment box on any platform that you're on. I'll make sure that I'll have his website, his IG, his Instagram, all of his information. This dude is amazing, man. Like I've said, I've been around him one-on-one. Parties, events, competitions in his gym. This is somebody that opened up his gym to me um, when I was just getting into it and learning about fitness. Didn't ask for anything to say, hey, come check it out. Plug in with me. So, guys, I would appreciate for you to plug in with him. Rap, my man, thank you so much. Hey, man, thanks for having me, man. Bro, I love you, it. Bro, you fired me fucking <laughs> up today. I'm, I'm about to put on some music and finish out the rest of my day. Thank you again. Guys, if you listen this far, that means that you loved it and you are tapped in. So go ahead and scroll down whatever platform you're on. Go ahead and get us five stars. You really, really super love it. Drop us a review and make sure you go check BeNewRich.com. The new collection is coming soon. Talk to you guys later. We are out. New Rich! <laughs>